Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and you're listening to Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. This week's guest is stand-up comedian Merlanis McMahonperk. Here she is talking about the difficulties of finding a therapist in New York. I've definitely felt exploited for for stories and stuff like that. I know other people who've gone through the same thing. For stories? So, oh, when you get a 9-11 patient, that's like jackpot for people who aren't from here. I see. (laughs) I know that sounds wild, but it's seriously like, yo, we got one. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Because, I mean, it became a national show. You know what I mean? When I was like, no, actually it was just us. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so it, there's a, there's a lot of that, and you get that also with some therapists who like end up just wanting stories because they you know are either bored by other patients or things like. And that I see that a lot in this city, mm-hmm. um, not just with me, with other people as well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com/slash Tristan J Miller for exclusive content there. One of the patrons, Cameron Clark, runs a theater company here in New York called Company of Fools. They're doing their annual fundraising event, the Goofy Gala, at the Artist Co-op on January 24th at 7 p.m. I'm going to be hosting the event, and I hope to see you there. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get to the interview. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're born and bred New Yorker. Yeah, I was born and raised. Um, and what part of the city did you grow up in? Um, mostly Chelsea. Oh, right. Um, really? Back so in Manhattan. the day. Yeah, man. I'm a Manhattanite. Uh, Chelsea was not nice then. No? Uh, no. First off, it was three blocks from Penn Station, so you would get the off-brand perverts who couldn't afford. <laughs> Great <laughs> so, value. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, we can't afford the live girls. Yeah. Let's get the tapes we also can't afford. And mm-hmm. if we can't afford those, let's ogle the women going by in the street. That's rough. That's... And you grew up there. Yeah. How was that? Like, did that... Um, well, that's something I talk about frequently is, like, how I had a lot of weird rules growing up that to other people would seem, like, outrageous, but mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to eat ice cream in public because it was too sexual. Interesting. <laughs> that's... And, right. I wasn't allowed to wear open-toed shoes because of foot perverts. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had you on lockdown. Yeah, man. Uh yeah, so, right, the punchline is to this day, I bite my ice cream because I don't yeah. want people getting ideas. So, yeah. <laughs> um, my friend, though, was like, oh, that's why you do that. Because mm-hmm. all my jokes are real. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense. And, like, did, was that, so that was all from your folks then? Yeah. Did my, you, my mother, yes. Yeah. Do you think that um, one of the reasons you became a stand-up is because you felt, like, constricted growing up? <laughs> No. No? Yeah, no. Why did I become... Because I have to. I don't know. Um, You have to be a comic? Yes. Why? Well, first off, I'm funny. Well, yeah. Um, Secondly, uh, comedy is what I grew up with. You know what I mean? There was no, like... And my introduction to comedy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
To me, when I hear that somebody has an introduction to comedy, it feels like when somebody had an introduction to dance, I'm like, well, when did you discover it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I grew up with it. Like, Robin Williams is probably the first mm-hmm. person where my mother would put him on these tapes for me. Like, they yeah. were interspersed with... She would make me mixtapes that had uh, drops by Robin Williams. That's very fun. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, she was having a bad day. She would put up a special songs yeah. like I associated comedies with like good endings of nights. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, I went to my first comedy club when I was like 15. Yeah. Uh, yeah so. I mean, I suppose you're in the city. It's easily accessible. Well, yes. Um, you know, having to be like, no, no, no. She's old enough. You know what I mean? That's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. No, that's the best Christmas. Like, uh going to comedy clubs because Jewish people are out here doing oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure doing jokes <laughs> yeah so um but yeah I also okay how'd I get into it I it was one of those things where I was told forever like oh just go do it yeah um the way I actually ended up starting it for the first time I I started an improv which is now not a thing that people think is okay to tell people why you say that because if it's before improv was like this no (laughs) (laughs) why'd you start an improv and not stand up if you were like listening to specials were you like were you a coward (laughs) no um well no it just uh gosh i mean it's fun and yeah no no no. when i was 13 that was the first year i went to nerd camp aka cty uh it's like mm-hmm. this thing where you take the sats blah 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 whatever if you do well you go to this nerd camp and okay. they have like activities every day and they had acting improv they mm-hmm. called it acting improv and i just went every day and i was like this is the best thing okay so, so you just gotta hit that because it's like a bunch of nerdy kids you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so um but yeah that makes sense so when you started doing stand-up then uh, 2012. 2012? Um, okay. Yeah, it started an open mic on the Lower East Side, because uh, I was doing poetry. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yeah, I keep saying to myself, like, if 2019, as horrible as it is, if, if this is the year that brings me back to poetry, I am <laughs> going to... I don't know. I'm going to crush 2019. I don't know yeah. how, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not bringing me back to poetry! <laughs> so, but yeah, no, because I would, I would sell poetry at these places or whatever and it was always like the joke part of my poetry that would like it's easy to make people cry it's you know yeah, what I mean? so, it's, yeah. but but then people would laugh at stuff so i yeah. was like and people were like you should probably just do the stand-up so <laughs> why are you fucking around with poetry just do it right they're like yeah this is sad and you're so good at sad things yeah. but you're also pretty good at throwing in a sad hilarious thing so mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how that went so you started doing stand-up mm-hmm. and uh in 2012 yeah how did that go It was going pretty well. Uh, I didn't know that at the time that um, you weren't supposed to do a different set (laughs) every time you went up. So every set I did was different. Mm -hmm. Um, I had that exact same. Like, I knew, (laughs) but, like, I also was was like, like, I'm bored. Right. right. I was like, what do do you mean work on this? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, no, you're cheating if you're doing that. You know, I I felt that way. So... Sometimes I would come, like, with... It was also... Right, so... Starting with improv, then doing poetry, it's like, okay, you have, like... 
you have to come up with like themes and whatever and it was like I would just come with you know a, a whole concept and stuff like that and so um people were very tended to be very interested in the concept and like were laughing throughout for the most part like there mm-hmm. were a cu- there were a couple times I bombed and I was like well I guess my brain is just bad I guess <laughs> it's just bad so um but yeah I did that for about a year uh and then I took a break for a while but I never stopped writing so I was still mm-hmm. submitting you know what I mean? So I was still submitting to publications. Um, I was still writing jokes. I was still writing jokes for other people. Um, and that was chill. Because I feel like a lot of people who have taken breaks in comedy are like, and then I stopped writing. And I'm like, no! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You can just write for fun, too. Like, that's the thing that a lot of, like, for your own personal edification, a lot of people do that. Um but so it started off going well, and then you took a break. Why did you take a break? Oh, like a bad thing happened. And um, the last time I went on stage, it was like I was telling a story about the bad thing. Uh-huh. And the story bombs. And what is worse than your personal story bombing? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was, you know, there were people who were like, you had a couple good funny lines. And I was like... <laughs> Why do you sound like your voice is shaking telling me this? I'm going to go home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Uh, then people were like, oh, you got to get back there, this, that, and the other. And I was like, I would have to go crazy, you know, like first to do that. And, and so you did. Yeah. And yeah. so I did. Once I did. Because um, uh, Ray Trump got elected. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I ended a, um, an engagement Mm-hmm. from a person who mysteriously like wanted me to do stand-up but also nuts um and i went back into it like a hundred percent so and at this point it's been like three straight years yeah so yeah how do you feel um i need narrow that down narrow how do you that- feel about your how stand-up's going for you hmm I, f- I feel like I'm at a place where I'm like, um, okay, I've done, you know, comedy in like 16 cities and stuff like that. I've done like festivals, I've done clubs, I've done mm-hmm. places I would feel that I would be a great fit for, places where I'm like, okay, like I, you know, I have to kind of work around this. Um, I feel like right now, I'm not saying take a step back, but I'm, I'm evaluating yeah, where to get that that new? So, for instance, right when we mm-hmm. met, yeah, we were at a radio benefit yeah. show, right? Yeah. I was headlining, and you left the loudest, mm-hmm. and you left the loudest. Like starting with, well, no, I think starting even from the beginning, but like when my sad shit hit, oh, yeah. you were like head in the table. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then when you went up, I was the loudest person yeah. laughing. Yeah, so there's clearly like a kinship there, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, that, like, that was definitely uh, one of those moments where it, basically when people come up after and they're like, oh, shit, like, that really hit with me, this, yeah. that, and the other thing, which yeah. obviously ties into the podcast. Because I don't always talk about um, mental illness. I just exude it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just think into. Think into. So, um, yeah. So... 
I, I guess I'm, I'm exploring other avenues besides straight stage time but also what I'm doing is because I've, I've been kind of moving around a lot recently is like mm-hmm. going back to like um, I have to shout out the Baltimore comedy scene a mm-hmm. lot because there was a time where even I, I wasn't living in Baltimore uh, 80% of my new jokes started there and mm-hmm. carried because they will just they'll listen you know what I mean like I know how to talk to New Yorkers uh, that works but there's always part of you that's like ah you know even if this works with the audience is the booker thinking something you know is the is another comic Mm -hmm. who feels like they have more years like thinking something like this so um, there's so much I hate thinking about what other people think so how do you how do you do you do you deal with that a lot? Like worrying about the perception of others? Or, yeah. Or, or yeah. Like... I mean, yeah, because that's part of it in as much as, like, and that's one of the reasons I really like stand-up rather than, like, I also do acting and going to an audition. You never really know how well you did unless you get the job. Right. Whereas, like, if you say a joke that doesn't work, oh, boy, you know it, and you know it hard. And I love that because I'm like, okay, cool. Now I've like, that's constructive criticism and I can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all the time, like if I'm do- doing a club, I'm like, man, I really hope I kill. So maybe they'll put me in a guest spot that doesn't pay three months from now or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think most comics have a, have a tendency to overthink. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I overthink. And I'm not going to say so much that, like, I'm like, oh, I hope this person thinks this, or I hope this person thinks that. It's more like, I want to shut up that, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I just, I hate, I've never been at the mercy of other people in this way. Or when I mm. have, it's been, like, actual, like, right, because you don't, you don't get money in comedy until, you know, unless you're either writing for a show yeah. Um, you're on a show, which, wow, then you really have to think about what people think about you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, or you're getting that, like, special money. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can go to casinos and, and get great amount of money and stuff like that. You can go to um, different towns and get money like that. Um, you know, places that are known for comedy will always try to cut corners. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm used to... And, and because other comedians will always be in competition with you and stuff like that. And it's like, or we could work out each other's jokes. Do you know what I mm-hmm, mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, the very model of supply and demand is, like, you make the supply better. Yeah. <laughs> the demand is better. If you're trying to... If you're supply trying to cut the other supply, like, yeah. I don't... <laughs> yeah, if you work together, it's better for everybody, you know. Um, but it is, like, I think there's a lot of pressure in all of the arts with gatekeeping and with people because of the way gatekeeping works being incredibly competitive when they don't need to be um does that like cause you any sort of like anxiety on the on the day-to-day are you like trying to avoid sharks if that makes sense um right it's right i always say like uh comedy feels like meeting the best people you've ever met in your Mm -hmm. life and the worst people you've met in your life yeah and one day you know and one night so Mm -hmm. um you know things cause me anxiety for uh, 
when somebody is too nice uh, sorry well specific yeah yeah when somebody's too nice but in a different way like with women it'll be like in a very like florid way that i'm like oh you're reading me and you're mm. reading me to see how good you think i am um or who i know which that's a don't don't ever do that because like <laughs> Because chances are somebody already asked me how you were. You know what mm, I mean? Like, mm. you might not know me in every place, but I I promise you off the scene, somebody already asked me. So mm. uh, there's that. Uh, with dudes, I always nervous. I always nervous. <laughs> I always nervous am to start a, a sentence right. badly. <laughs> right. Um, right. I'm uh, millennial Yoda. So yeah. um, I... Excellent Worry name when... for an album, I'm sorry. But what? that Millennial Yoda is an excellent name for an album. <laughs> it's like, you got Baby Yoda, then you got Millennial. Right. Yeah, anyway. Can he get a job? That's Can the question. Can he? Uh, yeah. Bad the economy is. <laughs> uh, but please continue. He would have to become a psychic or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. <not> people. <laughs> He's so. just, like, into tarot reading. <laughs> exactly. <be> like crystals. <laughs> Man with name beginning J, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like, that. that's a hundred. Behave this way you do because, Leo, you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, with men, like, with men, it, I, like, I, hmm, I, I tread the line of, uh, there are dudes who are like, yo, you're so good. Like, I want mm-hmm. you to be on this with me. I want you to be on that with me. And you have to be like, ooh, you know, if, if you're going to another city, like, what's this going to be like? Yeah. Um. You know, how, when is this going to change is basically the biggest thought, you know, because it usually does. And mm-hmm. that's very disappointing. And that's very upsetting when it's like, oh, this person has booked me is, of course, you know, trying to book me elsewhere <laughs> inside. So, um, or... Can I do a tight five in your tight five? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing is like, then I'm like... When when dudes aren't like that, and I'm like, wow, like I, really, you know, you, I really expected you to be a dick. Um, yeah. But then it's like, am I congratulating you too much for that? And maybe like the inner dick within is like, I'm I'm gonna, all right. Well, I was wondering how awful I am. Now mm-hmm. I know I can flex more awfulness. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that give me the most anxiety. Um, I know a lot of people are nervous about, like, coming up with material. I'm, that's not a thing that I'm nervous about. Like, I have a lot, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's something that makes you anxious about comedy? Uh, that I'm going to forget everything when, when I go up on stage. That's the only thing that makes me nervous. Yeah. Is that I'm, like, my mind's just going to blank. Um, I'm always, I always know I'm going to forget two jokes. That happens every time. And are I, they two specific jokes? No, like there will be two jokes that I forget to say because I won't have time, and then I've just learned to accept this, mm-hmm, and I have to mm-hmm, just move on. Mm-hmm. It's like you're never gonna get to everything. Even like I do an hour, and I'm like, okay, you didn't get everything, but you did improvise these, these, and these things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's all a balancing act. But that's only the ever the only thing I worry about is is that, and that's the same with acting. Like, mm. At this point, I'm just like, can I remember what the fuck I'm supposed to say? Because, <laughs> like, that's the logistical yeah. thing. Like, that's not, like, talent-wise, you know? Like, that has nothing to do with yeah. talent. That has to do with, like, 
can you perform the oh, job sure. competently? Oh my gosh, before plays or mm-hmm. what have you, or you know, when I used to compete in speech and debate because I'm mm-hmm. not a nerd, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, yep, this is the day I forget everything. You, know? <laughs> you convince yourself that you're going to go up and you're going to blank, and then you don't, and then you don't, like for me at least, I don't really remember how things go, and you know, or like I don't remember exactly everything I said, but I know I we got through the scene. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I know we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And there weren't any issues. Right. Um, do you find yourself an anxious person in general? Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, more on the depressed end of things. Right. If yeah. we have to choose. I mean, you don't. <laughs> it's a it's a spectrum you can have. The nice I could, I could have depriety. Yep. Um... <laughs> Which comes with depravity, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in life, do you feel anxious? <laughs> um, not right now. Uh, there, there are things where I'm like, eh, that could be bad. And there have been there have been periods in my life where I had like wild, um, wild panic attacks. Uh, um wild anxiety like every day was it caused by something or was it seemingly random um usually caused by things um a lot of the panic attacks were like ptsd related which i didn't know at the time Mm -hmm. um like my first panic attack i had in 2002 Mm -hmm. i was waiting for the m86 i should have already been anxious because i was on the upper east side (laughs) but um yeah i just like lost my shit before i even got on the bus uh and so um i just felt like that yeah i was it felt like i was spiraling out and nothing existed in the future for like 15 minutes and then it was okay but then that was horrifying so and i i realized also part of that was right just to um when i say 2002 i mean like beginning of 2002 so this i i realized like part of it was tied into like being at ground zero and 11 like i had just gone through that you know so yeah a lot of us were like meh at the end of the day, yeah. there are so many buildings. What's two? Yeah. Well, what's three? What's two confirmed? One mysterious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, I can still get coffee in my bodega. Right. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, things like that. I st- yeah. I get travel anxiety a lot. I will say, like, sometimes getting me out the door is a problem. Yeah. I, it's, it's like, a, I don't know if it's, like, travel anxiety or, like, agoraphobia or mild agoraphobia, but I'm like, ugh. Yeah, well, <laughs> Once well, I'm out, yeah. I'll stay out until as long as whatever. How'd you get through that panic attack? Did you just, like, wade through it? Or did you, like, uh, you, do you have any tools to... I just, well, that was when I was 17. So. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So probably was, not. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, I was just like, I got to get on the fucking bus. Like, <laughs> it was this yeah. very New York thing of like, well, I got this Metro card. We going. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I had a, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is usually following, like, a traumatic um, incident or something like that. Sure. So, like, once I had... <laughs> And I felt I felt bad by comparison thinking about who I was comparing things to. But there was a year that a, a boyfriend um, planned a surprise birthday party for me, mm-hmm. and the like it was at the height maybe of like my agora my weird agoraphobia travel anxiety and like 
borderline social anxiety. Yeah. Like social anxiety that was like not eh, just like not being like shy, border, but yeah, like, not like borderline personality disorder. Yeah, social yeah. anxiety, just social anxiety. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I finding out that there was a party for me and I had to go somewhere and there were going to be a lot of people there. I spiraled yeah. out for like two hours. I was wow. like, no, I can't yeah. go to Pole Marlene. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, and. I had a friend at the same time who, yeah. like, planned a birthday party, and then no one showed up. Oh, so it's, damn. like, ugh, not at the same time, yeah. but it was, like, you know, I'm I'm here, like, flipping out because, you know, what, 14 people showed up to celebrate my life, and yeah. then uh, her friends are like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So then you feel guilty about that. It's very self-perpetuating and beautiful. Yeah. You mentioned um, PTSD. Like, when did you figure that stuff out? Um, did you go through therapy or did you just like Google I've been put in therapy since I was old my parents went through a divorce and stuff like that and you know nobody wants to pay child support so they're like just see this person Uh so so I had to see like three or four people this therapist will support my child yeah and I'm already well I guess this is where I was anxious because they're like draw how you and I'm like I can't draw have you seen the hands that I draw they're so bad and crayon? What do you monsters not have pastels? So, <laughs> so you know they're always like draw your situation, and I'm like I, I can't. Also, I'm you don't have enough crayon for me to draw this horde. So like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, that that was a weird thing. Did you know there's a divor- divorce board game? Because that was a thing. I think I'd heard about that, but that's very interesting. Yeah, I thought it was something that I had told myself in my head, and yeah. then I Googled it, and lo and behold. Um, but anyway, so then... And when was that? And when was that? Uh, gosh, when I was 7 to 10. Okay. I think they had me seeing somebody. And then, and I, I had to say the right things or I got in trouble with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in high school, they had... Uh, they had a shrink come to the school after 9-11 but that got weird and I I couldn't talk to anybody and then I saw uh, a Freudian psychologist what was that like it was a I think that he used it to pay off big couches on his taxes that's what I think he did um, now when you said big couches, I thought you meant biggest. like big. I thought you meant like big pharma, like big couch. Yeah, no big couch. Yeah, I large. do. I do work for big pharma though. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was mm. just like so. Why don't I was like, can you talk? Can you say yeah. something? Yeah. And he was like, we're not here for me to talk. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you're sleeping, son. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he had that kind of sleep apnea that was just like also narcolepsy. So, because uh, I went through a boycott where I was like, well, then I'm just not going to talk. I don't like this. Very good will hunting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Then in college, I was like, all right. Let's work this out. And that was the mm-hmm. first time I was officially diagnosed with shit. And I felt so relieved. I was like, anxiety, yeah. depression, and maybe PTSD. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. How long did that... Uh, how, how long, long did, did that, that relief last? Yeah. Um, gosh. Well, right until, it, until the first thing they gave me was Lexapro. And I was like... I can't be on this for very long. This is killing my brain, and I have to do statistics next semester. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I have 
have no confidence interval that I will be able to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then uh, what happened? Then I got you know diagnosed with the real things. You know the MDD, the PTSD. Uh, MDD. Yeah, major depressive disorder. Oh, okay. Pretty nasty. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <Fuck> you. <laughs> Very funny. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Uh, and that was in college. And, uh... Brian, what what did you experiment with in college? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, and, And so, with this, this new diagnose on life, um... You were able to move forward, I would assume, for the first time with, like, an explanation. Um, I mean, that started with some stuff. I mean, there also were things that had happened to me. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. then it's like, those things make your brain bad. And you're like, brain, let's get it together. You know, so, like, I, you know, I, I still take Wellbutrin. Um, hmm. uh, you know, when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, Wellbutrin, that's how I'm doing it. <laughs> so, but... Um, then what else? But then also sometimes like I get the big I got the big says for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, are you familiar with treatment resistant depression? Treatment mm-hmm. refractory, also mm-hmm. known as treatment resistant depression, is when like you're like okay let's do this, and your depression is like I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm I'm on um, also. Lamictal or lamotrigine for treatment resistant depression, not mm-hmm. for um, bipolar disorder or anything like that. It was, and it really just was like instead of, it felt like instead of um, a bad thing happening and then immediately being like, ah. yeah, <laughs> uh, it felt like it felt like somebody from the block was telling me about like somebody coming after me. Mm. It felt like instead of you know, going straight to me, it was like, yo, Marlena's, I'm going to tell you right now, you might want to leave your house because you know, Jerry, you know, what happened last month. It wasn't your fault, but he's coming for you. All right. And then I was like, okay, Jerry's coming for me. And so it would help me prepare. It felt like Uh an outside source letting me know about the thing that was going to upset me. Do you feel as though the medication affects your ability to write jokes in either way? Um, when I was, hmm, let's see, when I was first on the mental, uh, I, some, well, I call it tip of the tongue syndrome, mm. where, and I've mentioned this to other people who have been on the mental, and they're like, yo, that's exactly it. When I'll, if I'll know the word that I want to say, mm. I'll know the letter that starts the word that I want to say, and then I can't, and I'm like, ah, parsimony, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a thing, and I, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, my vocabulary used to be popping, you know? So I have no recall, like, off the top of my... Not no recall, but, like, you know, if I want to remember something without a prompt, it's mm-hmm. difficult. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if I want to express myself in that way. But, right, it's... You have to base it in, um, you know, do I want to uh, count ceiling tiles um, when there are no ceiling tiles or something like that uh, in bed because I need to make up something to do while my eyes are open um, or am I okay with losing uh, resplendent you mm-hmm. know can I 
Can I throw? Can I throw out? Um, How many words don't I need? Right. Yeah. Infinitesimal. Do I need that? Probably an infinitesimal amount. No, that's that's <laughs> some trade-offs. Yeah. Um, do you think it's affected your creativity though? Um, Positively no. or negatively? No, I don't think so. Really? You feel oh, the gosh, same? Especially because major depression makes me more of a poet. So, uh, <laughs> and you're just trying to avoid the yeah, poetry. Yeah, right. I, I talk bit. about it. Right, I talk about it like heroin days. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh back when I would shoot up these lines I'm of poetry. Yeah, I'm a recovering poet. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh, yeah, but okay. And like, would the depression like get in the way of like joke telling and like crafting stuff um, and making art or entertainment with, however you feel gosh, about it with making stuff up not necessarily really because sometimes uh coming up with like what i would what would be just like one-off things to me if other people were around when i was depressed and i would say them um they'd be like yo that's fucking hilarious so now i try to think in that respect right like i think you were there for a joke but i'm like i have major depressive disorder because i like to do things big yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know so Mm -hmm. that to me is just this very matter of fact like well (laughs) we're Mm -hmm. here you know so i i try to think in that respect and then i'm like i guess that's kind of funny yeah (laughs) so um, so it doesn't, it doesn't affect that, but if I am very depressed, it's very hard to pull off a set unless like I'm around, I guess, people that I know and you don't always get that luxury in comedy. So no. do you feel lonely when you're not around people doing comedy? Like when you're on the road or something like, does that, does that make things mm-hmm. worse? No, it makes me feel like I need more martial arts training and <laughs> or mace I feel okay. like one maze is not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, no. Honestly, being on the road, like, that's more of an adventure, I guess. Okay. Uh, that is when more of the anxiety comes up because mm-hmm. sometimes you're, like, going off people's word and stuff like that, and there's a lot of bait and switch. So it's like, yeah, come through this show. And then all of a sudden, it's not what you thought the show was going to be at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, I really, you know, it's like, I really wish that I knew somebody here or whatever. So, mm-hmm. like, I've taken, you know, there were times, like, I really took steps back from that. Because um, also a lot of that happened to me in a condensed period of time. So um, the benefit to that was, okay, now I know a few people in the cities that I would go to. Mm-hmm. So, but there were times when I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all, or, like, this isn't even a worse place, or, oh, okay, you show up and it's, like, you and one other person there. So, um, I, yeah, I don't like situations where I can't, yeah. I can't get out. Yeah. Um, what would your biggest piece of advice for someone dealing with major depressive disorder and trying to do comedy or trying to make art? Getting um, through it. Um, hmm. If it makes it easier to think about, what advice would you like to hear for yourself? What advice would I like to hear? That yeah. sounds like... what. <laughs> okay. Um, what I'm thinking when you ask me that question is like... My, my initial thought is like... Uh, I've actually helped... Because I do work in pharma. And mm-hmm. I also have a lot of people around me who are mentally ill. Um, we clump together. Right. And I write and read... 
I fact-checked the shit that goes to doctors <laughs> and nurses in hospitals to tell them about the new drugs and stuff like that. And I know how busy pharmacists are, and I know they're never checking drug-drug interactions. What I'm thinking to myself is how, like, there are a lot of comedians who have been, like, um, you know, incidentally, they'll tell me something isn't working, and then I'll ask them the questions, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes I ask too, <laughs> too much when I'm like, no, 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 I promise, like, there's an, yeah. an, an, you know, there's an answer here, because, like, I'll know the generics that make people have increased suicide ideation. Mm-hmm. I'll know that there's, for instance, there's a birth control, the uh, NuvaRing mm-hmm. reduces the efficacy of Lamictal by 55%. Yep. These are, right, and these are things that people don't know. So I guess what I would say is, right, my first thing is gonna be try, try drugs. Try drugs. <laughs> yeah. See a psych. You're you know, a pusher. Yeah. See a psychiatrist because, uh, Therapists don't always give you... I mean, they, they don't. It, you don't know what you're getting with a therapist uh, all the time. With drugs, it's a little bit easier to kind of gauge. And I, I, I like helping people, like, re, you know, who are like, this was working, now it's not working yeah. to help with that. I would also say in New York, there's no excuse not to. There's so many resources. Wait, rewind. There's no excuse so m- not to what? Um, seek... Uh, psychi- psychiatrists out like in in places in the middle of the country or they, they're harder to find in like rural America it's like harder to find a psychiatrist if you're a farmer whereas like you're in New York if you're in New York it's easier to find one I would actually argue that it's harder um, and there are more barriers I mean, there are barriers, but there are more of them. Like, there might be one, like, there might not even be a mental health facility in three towns around you, in, like, Arizona that, or whatever. Is that true? Yeah. Huh. I, just, I just watched something about it. That's why I know. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So, like, and it just depends. But, like, you were saying there were barriers. Yes, I agree. Yeah. What are some of those? Okay. So, right, in Philadelphia, like, it was wild easy. Yeah? Really? <laughs> yeah. It was very, very easy. Um, in New York... Uh, and I've talked to mental health um, professionals outside of New York, and they've been like, yeah, we kind of don't want to say it, but, like, they're extremely critical of patients. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a constant, like, vetting thing. Some of them are, like, worse than the actual patients. Sure. Um, I've definitely felt exploited for for stories and stuff like that. I know other people who've gone through the same thing. For stories? So, oh, when you get a 9-11 patient, that's like jackpot for people who aren't from here. I see. <laughs> I know that sounds wild, but it's no, seriously it like, sense. yo, we got one. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Because, I mean, it became a national show. You of know what I mean? Of course yeah. When I was like, no, actually it was just us. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, there's, a, there's a lot of that. And you get that also with some therapists who like end up just wanting stories because they, you know, are either bored by other patients or things like and that. I see that a lot in this city. Um, mm-hmm. Not just with me, with other people as well. Um, if you're wealthy, they'll give you pills. If mm-hmm. you're not, um, so if you're really wealthy, they'll give you the pills that you want. If you're very poor, they'll give you the pills that you absolutely don't want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you're in the middle, it's like a crapshoot. So, sure. What do you think that is? Um money <laughs> yeah it's just a wealth at the end of the day money yeah sure because also it's, it'll be like a lot of established psychiatrists or psychologists who have been doing it for like 40 years and they're just like okay well you know i want to go to boca yeah 
this weekend. So sure, I'll just write this or whatever. Or the people who are wealthy will have a parent, you know, say mm-hmm. they're millennials who have a parent who are like, oh, she's just stressed out, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. like throw Xanax at her or mm-hmm. something like that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I, I didn't grow up wealthy by any means. Um, and then, well, people with so, uh, poor socioeconomic status, and this has been proven, will be more likely to be diagnosed as um, schizophrenic, even if they're not um, diagnosed with uh I guess more severe things when sometimes it could just be like, no, they are just in situations where their trauma is so bad. You as a professional can't relate to that. Yeah. So they'll assume the worst. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there are language barriers too, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of Spanish speaking, um, people in the city will have higher diagnosis, basically be just prescribes all the antipsychotics and stuff like that. And, you know, if you do that, what are the patients going to take Seroquel or take Abilify or take, um, held on, you know, all these other things and like have the energy to call you back and be like, I don't think I need this. No, they're going to stop taking it. They're probably going to lose faith in the healthcare mm-hmm. system. They're not going to come back, you know, and it'll be a different kind of suffering. So what we don't have is, um, adequate, for, for the demographics we have in the city, we don't have adequate um, health care to that. Uh, one thing I think de Blasio is doing is like expanding mental health facilities in some, like it seemed like some expansive front, but I'm not sure to what extent, because I know it's still like impossible to get a bed. And then when people are homeless and they want to go, you know, not sleep outside, they'll mm-hmm. put themselves in the quote system and go to the psyche ER and all of that just so that they can get housing. Mm-hmm. I've gone on a tangent. No, it was very <laughs> interesting. Um, how do you think the best way to combat all that sort of, those navigational barriers? Have you had to navigate themselves? Yourself, rather? Uh, yeah. And how'd you do it? Um, gosh, when I, when I was 21, I had to call, I had a list of 25 psychiatrists Cause like I'm a I'm a med ma- I'm a med management chick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't need I don't necessarily need like uh, talk therapy. Some places will make you do both, mm-hmm. and that is kind of annoying to me because like intake is the worst first date. It yeah. is. The, yeah. You're like hi. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Marlena. I was in 9/11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in this abusive thing. Also, I grew up poor. Divorce. And mm-hmm. sometimes I can't sleep all the time. Yeah. Did I say sometimes? You know? Mm-hmm. So you have to basically tell them all your shit and then hope that they want a second date with you. Yeah. So um, I wish it were easier for some people to get just get med management too. I feel mm-hmm. like that would be... I feel like that would free up a lot of people who need therapists. I do believe that there are people who need talk therapy. And I also think that there are people who just need med management and don't need to talk about their trauma all the time. So, but how did you get through that? Like you, you said you had a list. Did you just go down the list? Oh, my fault. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So yeah, I had a list of 25 people and the 25th person I called, Mm -hmm. which is very difficult also if you're working a full-time job to call. 25 people You're during your people lunch on break. Your leg, yeah. Yeah. I was lucky at the time that I had an office, but there are people who don't have that, you know, luxury. Yeah. Uh, Unshout out to open workspaces. Um, yeah. 
the 25th person was the mm. appointment that I got, and that still was like a month out. Wow. So, right as we enter this season, this is the yeah. worst season for people to look for help. Apologies mm-hmm. for not getting to the answer. I get it's okay. I get heated about. Mm-hmm. So. No, I understand that. Um, do you think 9-11's the whole thing, the whole reason, or is there more? No, 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 no. Do you no. think you would have been this way if 9-11 hadn't happened? Uh, it would have been... In- it would have been different. 9-11 compounded a lot of things. Okay. Um, it compounded situations that were existing. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess what, what people don't realize also, that though, it wasn't just a day. You know, it's like oh, 9-11 yeah. was night light work. You know, like it was September 12th. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> the after. You know, everything after. But they don't show that. They just show, you know, yeah. tower shit every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're not showing uh, the 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 rained out pictures of people like finally. You think the you trains know. are bad now. No. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there, there's no more nine train, RIP. Uh, yeah. So, but um, yeah, no, that's definitely not the whole thing. I would say okay. overall, the, the, my biggest uh, mental health issue, and I don't know where this stands for you, sleep, sleep. Oh yeah, it will make or break me. Yeah. How do you cope with that? Uh, I'm either moking or broken. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, how are you on sleep stuff? Well, like, I take, like, melatonin, and I have uh, an anti-anxiety that helps, but, like... Gotcha. But what about... So you... I don't understand the... the Sorry, the parlance that you use. What... How do you cope? Oh, you said uh, you... What okay. are you what? <laughs> you you moking right. or broken? I mean, what yeah. is, no, what is like, this? No, you're like, you know, does it make or break you? And I was like, I'm moking or broken. Oh, um, I understand. <laughs> like, how do you... Do you, like... How do I cope with it? Yeah, it depends. So I have, like, my anxiety is, like, the worst DJ. It just throws out different remixes all the time. You know, there's, mm-hmm. like, can't go to sleep. There's can't um, get up. There's yeah. get up too early. Yeah. There's get up in the middle of the night type mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, let's see. A lot of, it's, it's it also coincides with, like, breathing and stuff like that. But um, I have, like, the primary model of insomnia, which is, like, your body's, like, on all the time. Sure. So, uh... Like a low-level hum constantly. Um, yeah, I guess. It feels like how they describe what soldiers are supposed to be like. So I guess Mm. that combined with PTSD is like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. You're always on. So, um, I... Like, honestly, it's like hoping for the best type stuff. Because if I... Like sleeping and not, if I don't sleep, it's one of two ways. Like I could, I could literally just cry because I'm so mm-hmm. tired and know I have to go do stuff, um, or things that wouldn't upset me upset me, or I'll get very giggly and hilarious. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know people now who thought that they were bipolar and and they were like, no, I was just an insomniac, mm-hmm. and like their insomnia was really really bad, um, and would send them into manic states i've never mm-hmm. been manic so I, I don't know necessarily what that's like but yeah sleep is, yeah how do you get yourself to sleep when you can't it depends okay it, it just, depends yeah just a litany uh yeah litany like you know because ex- i'll exercise or whatever and people are always like oh maybe you just need to run more <laughs> warm milk like all of these things <laughs> and i'm like well Right now, I'm just gassy and my muscles hurt. So, um, but yeah, like basically different. Yeah, usually, you know, different meds, honestly. Okay. Um, 
it's um that's yeah that's pretty much it it's a very it's a very delicate uh, 24-hour schedule it's like feeding a, a baby yeah so. <laughs> sounds a lot well i have everything i need do you have anything you need to say you need to get off your chest oh um why do i need to get off my anything fuck Bloomberg for running I just like sorry (laughs) yeah absolutely I think we're all I think we're all upset by that well yeah because when we're talking about like mental health and money in New York like I'm just like son you can't shut all the affordable housing and then put all the money that you all the money that he put into ads could have like cured homelessness in this city so fuck Bloomberg for running Um, right. yeah (laughs) Do you have any closings? No? Well, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you. Mm